Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. And so our priority may go like this, me, 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 God, and then others. But Jesus came into this world to flip that. And it's meant to be God and others. And then me, 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 me. And then there's this incredible thing that happens when we align ourselves with God's kingdom. There comes more peace and more joy and more purpose and more meaning and then supernaturally speaking, more financial margin. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Perhaps there has not been another time like now in which Christians need direction. We are confused and wondering if we can find the way God has for us. We are confused about our careers, our marriages, our kids, and even our friendships. In this sermon series, we are going to look at four distinctive characteristics that Christians need to have present in their lives in order to walk the path that God has for them. We hope that in this series, you will find clarity, peace, and most importantly, direction. Please enjoy the message. But I would put 5 or $10 in an offering plate, whatever I wanted playing cards the night before. I was in a, it's a journey of faith, okay? It's a journey. But what, you know what I'm saying. I'd come into some money, and I, I, would, I just gave whatever I had. There was 5 10 $20, whatever it was, I just gave it. And so I would give that, and I remember it even hurting. I was thinking, like, man, I could be putting gas in my car, literally just putting gas in my car, but this church is just so good to me. I had to help. Now, fortunately, they were able to come together and, and they were able to meet that budget uh, shortfall that they had. And I'm not exactly sure how it all panned out and who it is that came, uh, who it is that stepped up to make that happen. But that was a, my first experience and first real step in becoming a blessed giver is that I learned that it's important to be available to the promptings of God. It's, impo- it's important for my heart to be available to the promptings of God. First John chapter 3 says this there. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? You know, in other words, if you're in a line and the person in front of you at a grocery store or at a restaurant or a fast food restaurant or even at a restaurant for that matter, and they're having trouble paying for something, You should just step up and do it and then figure it out later, okay? We should all do that. If you see an opportunity and it's a a legitimate, meaningful opportunity, we should always step up and help in those situations, whether it's on the street or in a restaurant or even at a church. Now, I'm not going to be asking for a special offering or anything like that here. We're We're doing fine. But what I am encouraging you with is to be open to those prompts that God puts in your life. In 1 Kings chapter 17, there is a woman um, who is outside of Israel who has Elijah come into her town. And Elijah was a traveling prophet. He comes into this town, and this widow is literally on the last little bit of food that she has. But as these ancient societies worked, they only, one of the main, main reasons that they worked is there was a hospitality to travelers that had to always be extended. And so this widow knew that. And of all the people in the town, the widow stepped up to help Elijah. Because she saw the need, she was open to it, and she, and she met it. And so I want to encourage you with that, to be open 
to whatever God may be prompting you to contribute and to support. The second step that we made as a family and that I made personally in the, in the journey of giving was to be a percentage giver. After I had been a Christian for just a short period of time, I, I listened to a pastor share uh, how, how important that is. And he was explaining to the congregation, as, as I hopefully explained to some of you, he was saying, he's saying, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you exactly what you need to give, but what I want to encourage you as you're taking steps of generosity is to give a percentage. And then for us personally, we, as we studied the Bible, we decided long ago that the percentage that was going to be our base, bare minimum standard was going to be 10% as a family. That we were always going to at least give that to our income, and we've been able to do that and even a little bit more. But we want to make that a priority to finance God's kingdom and God's ministry, and we wanted that to be our standard. Now, there's some debate on whether you should give 10% and whether you shouldn't give 10%. And, and I would encourage you to pray through that and study through that, and I'm not here to debate that with you. But I would say that that number, for whatever reason, it does seem to be a good standard to go by. It's what I would call one of those points of, of a top-button theology, that, that if you can just get that first little bit right towards the Lord, then the rest of it seems to fall in place from there. It's like your shirt, you know? I know none of you have this problem, it's just me, but if I get my top button wrong, then the rest of those buttons are going to be really hard to get in line. Now, I've never had that happen before. I'm kidding. But at, at any rate, no, it, it happens. And if you get that wrong, then it's hard to get the rest in line. But if you get it right, then the rest does seem to fall in line. And I think that there's just something special, again, about that number 10%, because it's just enough to influence, but it's not so much that it controls or it oppresses. But I'm not saying it's law. And as you come into the New Testament, what you see is that Jesus fulfilled the law. What you also see in the New Testament, too, is that Jesus seemed to raise the standard in a lot of ways. And the goal, again, isn't to have your stuff. It's because God wants your heart. Now, as you look in the Bible, there does seem to be, there's all these correlations with numbers in the Scriptures. And you can study through those and look at different numbers and, and what exactly it is that they mean. But the number 10 in the Bible does seem to circle back around to test. Like, generally, when... The number 10 is referenced. There's some kind of a test that is going on there. So I'm going to have a little bit of a test here with you. And this is our audience participation part of our program. And so what I wanna, I'm going to ask you a question. And then you answer it with a particular number that, I, that, that should make sense to you. So, for example, how many plagues came upon Egypt? Ten. Yes. You might even say, how many times was Pharaoh's heart tested. Okay. Here's another one. How many commandments are there? 10. Yeah. So there's 10. There's 10 different commandments that test if we're going to align our life with God's will. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. 
because it is here that we met Jesus and he changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com for more information. Now let's get back to our program. Another one here is how many times, and this is actually in the book of Numbers, how many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? You can just, there's a pattern. Ten. Yes, yeah, so, so I, wanted, I want you to do it with a little bit more emphasis now. You can do it with a little bit more emphasis here, just so we can all buy into what exactly we're getting across here. How many times were Jacob's, in the book of Genesis, wages changed? Ten, yes, he was tested ten different times. How many days was Daniel tested in the book of Daniel? Ten, yes, you, you guys are doing great. How many virgins were tested in Matthew chapter 25? Ten. How many days of testing are mentioned in the book of Revelation? Ten. And how many disciples were there? Oh, uh, yeah, all right, just, just testing you, just seeing if you're paying attention. You did much better than the earlier service today, I will tell you that. But when it comes to the number 10, there is something seemingly special about it. Now, one of the more popular verses, more well-known, and certainly one of the ones that I draw from that relate to this particular number is found in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. This is what it says there. (coughs) Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. I love that. That last little, I love, I love this, whole, this whole, all that these verses communicate to us. But there's, there's two principles here that I want you to catch. There's actually more, but I'm just going to give you two. And the first is this, is that God desires your giving to go to his storehouse. I would relate that to today to the church. And I'm going to tell you why that's so, so important for all of us to understand as it relates to the storehouse. Now, obviously, it's in reference to the temple, and I am completely aware of that. But in this case, I would encourage you to support the home base, to support your church, to make that the priority of your, of your contributions, of your, of your giving. And there's, I'm going to give you two, two reasons for that. The first is this, is that so often we give to a lot of different things. I just want you to catch perspective here. We give to so many different things. And, and, I, and that is a very, very good thing. But what I want you to understand is that the reason that we often give to compassion organizations, different ones, all different types, whether they're Christ-based or not, is because of Jesus, even if they're founded on Jesus or not. But the reason that so many of those organizations and even missionaries exist and Christian schools exist is because there are strong, vibrant local churches that are sending those people out to support those organizations, to support those schools, to support those missions endeavors. It's because there are strong local churches. And what we have to understand is that if we shift and start to focus all of the branches, what you're going to do is the trunk... The trunk of that is going to get compromised. And biblically, that's not just historically speaking. I would say biblically speaking, you can look at the book of Nehemiah and find a great example of this. Because it's there that Nehemiah is commissioned to go back to the city of Jerusalem 
And in Jerusalem, he is told to rebuild the walls there. Or he, he actually asks for permission to rebuild the walls there and reestablish that city. So as he goes into Jerusalem, one of the first matters of business is to check on, I'm going to emphasize, check on the temple. And just make sure everything's good there, it's in good working order. But when he arrives, he sees that the temple is in worse shape than the city. And the city was, the city was in terrible condition at this point in time. He gets to the temple, the place where the people were supposed to become, were supposed to come and be encouraged and, and pray and praise. And he sees that, this, that the temple isn't even operational at this point. And he's looking around. He can't find the priests either, the people that are supposed to keep the temple operational. And so he eventually finds out where they're at, and he goes out into the fields where they are. And he says, guys, what are you doing? And the priest said, well, the people... Stop supporting the temple. And not only were we unable to keep up with the operations of the temple just to keep it functional, like we couldn't even provide for ourselves. And and they just said, Nehemiah, we have to make sure our families eat. We have to make sure that we are taken care of. And and to be clear, like that's always been a priority here at our church. We make sure our staff is taken care of. But but Nehemiah, they say, we we have to provide for ourselves. And Nehemiah is like, no wonder the city's a mess. The temple's not even good. The temple's not even running right now. And so as his first form of business, he gets the temple up and going, and then he begins to commission different groups to rebuild the wall. The point is this, is the people's condition, situation, was in terrible shape, but it came back to the fact that the people stopped supporting what was going on there operationally. And so again, I come back to what that verse says in Malachi, is that we need to support God's storehouse. We need to support that local church. The second thing is this is that supporting, investing, sowing into God's kingdom does not always translate into financial blessing, but I love what this verse says. It said, he will keep the pest from devouring your fields, and he will keep the fruit on the vine so you can pick it. In other words, there are areas and there are spaces that God will work in your life to perhaps keep you from having expenses because you're being faithful with what it is that you've been given to his kingdom. So for an example, for an example, like maybe that means that your dishwasher doesn't go out. Okay? If you've had that happen, that's not cheap. Or maybe that means that your sprinkler system doesn't explode in the middle of winter. Or perhaps it means like I, us, for example, and I hopefully I'm not cursing myself with this one, but our, we got an HVAC that's like 25 years old. Like we, we handle that thing with kid gloves. It is on borrowed time. I don't know who he's borrowing from, I bet, but it is on borrowed time. Now, I don't know if that's God's blessing or it's not. I would certainly relate it to being God's blessing because the last thing I want to do is spend $10,000 to replace a, a heating and uh, air conditioning units and, and that whole system in my house. But my point is, is that God blesses us in a lot of ways when we are willing to be a blessing to his, to his kingdom. Um, Deuteronomy, again, uh, Deuteronomy 29, I'm going to share with you another biblical example of this. When the Israelites were in the, 40, were in the d- wilderness for 40 years, this is what God said to them about that. During the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. He's saying to you that as you were with me, I made the things in your life last longer than they would have otherwise lasted because you were with me and I was with you. The third point I want to share with you here is priority. 
giving. That as you become a prompted giver and then a percentage giver, at that point, it's about becoming a priority giver. Like what is going to be the priority that your finances go to? Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the gift tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designate a gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 10.30 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. I'm going to share with you five places that I know all of your money goes to. My money goes to as well. There's here are the five places that it goes to. We spend our money. We repay debt with our money. We pay our taxes with our money. We save our money. And then we pay more taxes with our money. <laughs> no, we don't, we don't quite do it like that. But here's the point that I'm making here. Is that when we are spending it, well, let me say this, when I'm spending it, I'm, that's me. That's about me. Okay? So I'm spending my money. That's about me. And when I'm repaying debt of some form and some fashion, and that's not something that we carry much of in our life. It's only really, our house is really the only debt that we have. That's about me. When I pay taxes, again, I'm doing that while I'm paying it to the government. I, that's about me. I'm paying taxes to make sure I don't get in trouble and, and I'm, making, take, I'm paying my part as far as society is concerned. When I'm saving money, I'm saving it so that way later on down the road when I just don't have the energy or the wherewithal to work 40 hours a week that I'll be able to pull back some and maybe travel and see kids or grandkids and things like that. But still, my plan is still to do at least a little bit of work. But I need to save for that day. And then we give. And that's typically how it goes. We give to God. We give to others. We give to different organizations. That's generally how how our giving priority goes for each and every one of us. It's me, 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 God, and then others. Now, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, though, as is the case for many of us, Jesus turns this upside down. He says, but seek first his kingdom, being God's, and his righteousness. And then all these things that we want, well, more importantly, that we need, will be given to us. And so our priority may go like this, me, 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 God, and then others. But Jesus came into this world to flip that. And it's meant to be God and others, and then me, 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 me. And then there's this incredible thing that happens when we align ourselves with God's kingdom. There comes more peace and more joy and more purpose, and more meaning, and then supernaturally speaking, more financial margin. And I can tell you story after story after story after story of person that would say, 
God did more with 90% of what I had left than I could have ever done with 100%. Story after story after story. And I can tell you again and again that when there's just something that happens whenever we commit that first part to him. There's just something that happens in our hearts that gives us that peace and that joy and that purpose and that meaning and inexplicably financial margin because that reigns us in. It keeps us from, it keeps us from overextending ourselves and allowing the things in our lives to become the idols of our lives. But all that comes back to, again, where we started that. It all comes back to our view of Jesus. It's all about your view of Jesus. You know, you can find different pictures of Jesus, and there are so many pictures of Jesus that are out there. You can find a picture of Jesus as an adolescent. And the adolescent Jesus is nice. He's obviously wise. He's got lots of potential. But, you know, when he says something that you don't like, you can just dismiss him because he's really only about 12 years old. And you don't really, that, that's, that, you're not going to let a 12-year-old tell you what to do with your life. But you realize there's something there with him. Then there's the adult Jesus. And he has a lot of wise things to say, important things to say in life. The, the adult Jesus is one that's probably going to challenge us and stretch us. And so that, that Jesus is, uh, you know, it's a little tough to totally align with him. And then there's what I would call the bodybuilder Jesus. And the bodybuilder Jesus is the one that we run to when we're struggling and we need, we're not strong enough, so we need the Jesus that is strong enough to handle whatever it is that we have going on in our lives. And then there is the, the super cool thumbs up Jesus that whatever we come to him with, he's going to tell us, go for it. You got this. You can handle it. You know, in Christ, you can do all things in Christ who strengthens you. That's, that's the thumbs up Jesus, that he's right there for you. But that's not really the real Jesus. That's just kind of the Jesus that we want. You want to know the real Jesus that's going to impact every single area of your life? It's a Jesus that hung on a cross. And he had nails into his wrist and his hands, into his feet. He was jabbed in his side. That's the one who gave everything for you and for me. That we wouldn't perish, but have eternal life. And so as I'm journeying in life and I think about the different things that I struggle with, I'm, I'm reminded of the Jesus that was on the cross. That when I don't want to give, I'm reminded of the Jesus who gave it all. That when I give begrudgingly, I'm reminded of the scriptures that say that Jesus gave it all on the cross because of the joy. Because of you, you, because of the joy that was set before him. When I give an uncomfortable amount, I remember that he gave until it hurt. He gave until he breathed his last. When I'm frustrated that my giving affects my plans, I remember giving was always his plan. When my giving makes me poor for even a moment, I remember though he was rich, he became poor for my sake. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. John Tillerson once said that he who provides for this life but takes no care for eternity is wise for a moment, but a fool forever. Now again, I don't know where you're at with all of this. And my encouragement for you is, is to just take a step. 
to re-examine your heart and your life and to know that God doesn't want your things. He wants you. He wants me. And then as we align our life more and more with him in this particular area of our life, there really is more peace and more joy and more purpose and more meaning and as inexplicably as it sounds, even more financial margin than we could ever imagine. I'm gonna say a prayer for us in, this, in regards to all of this. And then our team's gonna lead us in one more song that just readdresses how good God is and the goodness of God. And that no matter where we're at with things or, or how it is that we might be in need or in want, that, that God is good. And his good, goodness and his love will follow after us all of our lives. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for Jesus and all that you've given us in him. Lord, help us each to just, just take a little, to make a little bit of progress with this, to tap a little bit more into the riches that are found in Christ. God, we are grateful, Lord, for all that you have given us, Lord, and, and there's, you have given us much. You've given us much in Christ. Lord, maybe we all be grateful of that and just be again reminded of the goodness that is found in your son. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the Give tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.